Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Tuesday, April 18th, 2023. I am Dave Biddle, very happy to be joined by Steve Hellwagon. Dan Rubin is off today. All right, a lot to get into, my friend. Let's start with uh, just your main takeaways from spring. I'll ask you some specific questions in a moment. But just with spring ball now in the rearview mirror, what were your main uh, takeaways from spring ball, Steve? Yeah, the big thing they talked about was competition, and I we saw a lot of that on Saturday. I mean, yeah, it wasn't maybe the most exciting game ever played, but I think the defense uh, definitely has shown marked improvement. Uh, there were 109 plays that they ran on Saturday, so it was almost a full game's worth of football crammed into two hours there. And I just thought on the whole that, uh, to me, uh, you had a lot of young guys who got opportunities for the first time to show what they are capable of doing. I agree with just about everybody that the offensive line has got to play better. But again, there's, you know, these guys go against each other for 15 days. There's only so many different ways that you're going to show the defensive line how you're going to block them. So there is a little bit of monotony involved in that. I think when you're going up against somebody's sight unseen as a defensive line, you're going to have a little bit more trouble getting into the backfield probably than what, uh, Tui Malo, Al Sawyer, and the boys uh, were able to exhibit on uh, Saturday. There was one play early in the game, Dave, where it looked like Fryer reached up and grabbed Tui Malo, Al, and dragged him to the ground as they were falling down. And, and Day must have been standing right next to the to the one referee who was standing right next to him. Said, "Let that go. Let that go." So <laughs> you know, they're already getting killed enough. Let that go. Yeah. So you know. Um, Definite room for improvement on the offensive line. And I think that given four and a half months, Justin Fry, uh, Fryer, Tegretashbola, uh, Zen Mahalski, uh, those guys in particular. Uh, and then the center thing is kind of a separate thing. But I think those guys that I mentioned, they're going to drill down on the tape, drill down on agility, drill down on strength, drill down on punching, stepping, everything it takes to be a great uh, tackle in the Big Ten. They've got four and a half months now to go through uh, very intensive one-on-one type drills for the next. 
it, it's kind of like uh, you know Vision Quest or whatever. They got four and a half months to get it figured out. I know there's a lot of talk about finding a guy in the transfer portal. I was just about to ask you about that. Yep. Yeah, but Jonah Jackson is, exists out there who's an offensive tackle. I'll use that as an example from Rutgers as a guard a few years ago. Then I assume they're going to make a play for him. Uh, we saw that uh, the kicker, Siebert, entered the – transfer portal they need three more to leave to get legal and then would need to take another one off the roster beyond that to be able to add somebody to the roster so uh you know some 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 <laughs> some underlays or some layers are going to get pulled away from the onion here it looks like in the next few weeks yeah i'm still here i was going to ask it's funny that you brought that up i was i was going to ask you because we talked about this on what we learned live right after the spring game when i had you on like I'm hearing there's the, the Ohio State feels very, very, very good about their chances of landing an offensive tackle. You're taking more of the I'll believe it when I see it approach, right? Well, again, I'm not privy to all their discussions with any potential transfers who may enter the portal or who are in the portal. I know Texas A&M had a guy who's a stud tackle who entered the portal. And what does that mean? I mean, does he already have a destination in mind? I don't know. I think Wickoff, maybe his name or something like that, Wyckoff. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know any specifics. And that's right. the problem is, I mean, we're not part of the the process when it comes to, you know, recruiting and, and landing, you know, transfer portal players. So it is a little bit cloaked in secrecy. It's like uh, we'll talk about the basketball guy in a minute, but, you know, nothing was really discussed about that guy until after he had visited Ohio State. So there wasn't much out there about it. I like it. We, we have a. Dogs barking on a show. You know, it's the Bucknuts Morning Five. Love it. It's a nice little background music. Um, all right. Kyle McCord, Devin Brown. How do you see that shaking out? Is it definitely McCord's job? Can Brown win the job? Whoever wins the job, are you confident in them? A lot to, a lot to unpack there. Where are you at with quarterback, Steve? Well, you know, uh, one of our posters found a video of all of McCord's throws, and it was a really quick six-minute watch. And it was impressive to me. I thought on the whole, it was impressive. I could also understand a little bit his frustration with how the day ended up going because he was under almost constant duress. And he also was victimized by some drops. There was one that people, I haven't seen a lot of people talk about it, but he threw the ball, appeared to me, into traffic, but it went right off Cade Stover's hands at the five-yard line. And if they complete that pass and then punch that one into the end zone instead of kicking a field goal, then, you know, his day looks a little bit different to have two touchdowns. And, I mean, that play could have been a touchdown if he catches it and stays upright. So, um, and, and there were others. I mean, Ballard had one go off of his hands. And, uh, you know, there, there are different people saying different things about his performance. And I think people are looking for ways to poke holes in it. Um, looking maybe a little too hard to poke holes in it. I just think that uh, he he was put, for a spring game, he was put in a lot of tough situations. But he's also a third-year guy, so he should be able to handle those tough situations, even though he hasn't played a lot of game uh, snaps. Um, we were kind of talking afterwards, you know, how us reporters like to – mingle and discuss this and discuss that about how it ended up being uh, a perfectly good situation for Ryan Day. He's like, well, I can't possibly name a starter because we didn't get to see what Devin Brown could fully do, you know? So 
you know, even if he is leaning toward McCord at this point, and I believe McCord does have the inside track with the seniority that he has, and I didn't see anything really all spring along that would dissuade me from thinking he's not the guy, um, that that was Coach Day's out, is that, well, you know, Devin was hurt, so it's not fair to Devin to name a, a leader or winner when he was hurt. Now, if the injury – I don't think the injury would linger, but – because uh, it sounds like he'll be back to throwing within three or four weeks. But uh, to me, I think that uh, uh, if if something were to linger, then it would be easy to name McCord as the starter by default because he's the only healthy guy you've got. Of I mean, Gebbia was nice, but, you know, he's not going to play. So he doesn't figure right. to play. So right. uh, to me, I think it worked out just fine in terms of keeping everybody's involvement in the situation didn't appear like either guy was ready to transfer when they spoke after the game. And I think that's what coach day wants. He wants to carry this over to the fall camp and, and, and get a proper read at that time. I find this interesting. This is one entering spring that wasn't too much on my radar as far as things that I found most interesting, but leaving spring, it definitely is pecking order at running back, assuming all five guys are healthy, which is an easy assumption to make. Now things could happen, but like everybody, is on track to be healthy, including Evan Pryor, including, of course, Travion Henderson, who was actually cleared for, um, you know, not that they're doing anything contact-wise, but he's going to be cleared for full summer conditioning, so he's going to be good to go. All right, so if Travion's healthy, Mayan's healthy, Evan Pryor's healthy, Chip train him coming off a really good spring, Steve. Not just the spring game. I was impressed every time we were out there with Chip. Dallin Hayden coming off a good true freshman season. He looked good in the spring. That He's bulked up a little bit. Where are you at on the pecking order at running back for the 2023 season, Steve? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, Travion Henderson, again, you, you said if everybody's healthy. In week one, everybody figures they will be healthy unless there's some kind of a strange camp injury. Somebody takes a bad step and hurts a foot or something or an ankle or something like that. Everybody should be healthy. Um, so that's one. Uh, week five, probably not everybody will be healthy the way that these guys – get dinged up. But uh, I think Travion Henderson is one. I think Mayan Williams is two. I think Chip Trayonum is probably now number three. And Dallin Hayden is a very close number four. But that's not a knock on Dallin Hayden at all. I think he's got tremendous ability. And we saw in the spring that uh, he can make uh, great runs just as easily as any of the other guys. Evan Pryor, he's, you know, he's in a tough spot at number five. He's going to have to really show something uh, early and often in spring. I mean, to knock that rust off during any kind of appreciable playing time, I think. Um, you know, I think he's got some potential to help them. But, you know, man, that's that's going to be a, a tough job, I think, for Tony Alford to try and keep four running backs hel- uh, happy and healthy uh, throughout the season. My guess is you'll go into most games with three of them being healthy and one of them not is what will probably happen. And that'll probably ro- yeah, they and it'll probably five. rotate rotate all season. Well, prior, I just – I don't know what kind of a role he can have. I, I just – I don't know. I mean, you've got so many other guys who are all proven. I mean, it it, it just to me – I don't know. I don't know how you they're, – they're so gun-shy about playing guys who aren't proven. I mean, how's how does he prove himself at number five? I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just – I'm confused. He's stuck in a numbers game. If everybody's healthy, he is stuck in a numbers game. I will say now he's coming off a, a tough injury, torn patellar tendon. Um, so, but assuming he can get back to 
where he was. He did have a really good spring last year and was having a really good camp, and they were saying that they were going to find a role for him, even though he was going to be the number three tailback. They were talking about how they were going to find a role for him. So he does have that in his favor. I think he earned the coach's trust in spring ball last year and then in camp. They were very happy with him. But you make a good point. You're coming off a serious injury like that. You and I have the exact same pecking order. It was tough, but I, somebody asked me on the postgame uh, podcast for my pecking order one through five, and I gave the exact same one you did. But yeah, I put Trayonum over Hayden, but it's yeah. like, you know. I said the same probably, thing. Right, right. Probably depends on down and distance. What do we need? You know, hey, Hayden caught five passes out of the backfield in the game on Saturday, which, uh, you know, is running 12 carries for 30 yards. Doesn't say a whole lot. Some of that was thud, but which, you know, he's probably going to gain another five or 10 yards. They had Mayan for like four for like 13 or 14 reality that's four for 25 because he wasn't going down on first contact so yeah he he played really well I thought yeah Mayan's tough to tackle we know that when he's healthy I think people forget I mean not everybody but because he was so banged up toward the end of the year that's kind of like the you know he wasn't as effective yeah Yeah. that was the impression he kind of left because I've heard fans kind of like downplay him you know the last few months I'm like you know early in the season when mine was was really good yeah he was playing through multiple injuries as you know at the end of the year nothing serious enough to keep him out but like he was banged up banged up finger banged up knee I think he had something else like he was banged up all right let's let's, uh, finish the show talking some basketball the Buckeyes with another transfer that they landed Chris Holtman getting uh, Dale Bonner, more of a depth piece, but I like this young man from Ohio, uh, played at Baylor the last couple years. Uh, I like this one year of eligibility, left a guy that can come in there and back up Bruce Thornton, uh, add a little depth there. Can you play some shooting guard? Your thoughts on the Buckeyes getting Dale Bonner and also get into they landed Jamison Battle a few weeks ago, the transfer from Minnesota. He's a guy that could be a, like an impact player. Um, Dale Bonner, more of a depth piece. Jamison Battle, really good get. What are the Buckeyes getting with those guys, Steve? Yeah, coming out of the Big Ten tournament at the end of the season, I said they needed to do two things. They needed to get a power forward, and they needed to get uh, backcourt depth, a three-point shooter, however you want to quantify that. Well, I think that check and check. They've done both of those things, and they believe they have the the roster. I mean, the four guys who they are depending upon who are coming back, well, Key didn't play, but they were five and two down the stretch against Big Ten teams with four wins over NCAA tournament teams. So they think their mainstays that they are building around are Thornton, uh, Roddy Gale at the two, and Felix Ockpar at the five, with Zed Key also at the five. Both of them playing 20 minutes a game, theoretically, which should be a perfect rotation for the two of them. In my way of thinking, if they're both healthy and can play. So then you bring in the four freshmen, three of whom are top 60 roughly players who figure to play decent minutes. Again, 15 to 20 minutes a game. And that's uh, Scotty Middleton at the wing and the two, Tyson Chapman at the one and the two, Devin Royal at the three and the four. And then Austin Parks, he'll be there to back up at center as need be, you know, kind of break glass in case of emergency type guy. And then what they needed were two more mainstays, like I talked about, a power forward. Jamison Battle will come in and be the four. In his four-year career, two years George Washington, two years at Minnesota, he has averaged 14 points a game. That's not this past season. That's over his entire 100-and-some-odd game career at college level. He has averaged 14 points a game. That is somebody that you just plug and play. 
I know he was a little bit banged up this past year. I know he comes from a losing program, has never played a minute in the NCAA tournament. You know, maybe, what is, he will this, you know, maybe he will this coming season. Maybe he will this coming season. Maybe. So that to me, that was a good pickup. And knows the Big Ten, knows all the guys in the Big Ten, can score on all the guys in the Big Ten. Fine by me. This other guy, Dale Bonners from Shaker Heights, Ohio, he's been on a bit of an odyssey. He redshirted one year at Division II Fairmont State in West Virginia. Then he averaged like 20 points a game for two years. And Drew down at Baylor was like, get me that guy from Division II Nowheresville down in West Virginia and brings him into Baylor. In the last two years, he's played on Baylor teams that were a one seed in the NCAA tournament and this year a three seed in the NCAA tournament. Uh, They won a game and lost a game both years, got upset both years in the second round. And he's played in high leverage situations against Texas, against Kansas, against Kansas State, Iowa State, all those great Big 12 teams that they told us about this year. This guy played in those games, uh, averaged about 20 minutes a game, five points, like three assists, shot 37%, I think, on threes and led the team in steals as well. So as a part-time player. So you got an Ohio guy coming back to Ohio to play his last year of college basketball, understands that they've got starters, Thornton and Gale, the one and two. He's there to be the veteran behind those guys. I don't want to say he's this year's ice likely. I think he's a little bit better offensive player than ice likely, perhaps. I don't know. A lot of people at Baylor raved about this guy that, you know, he was an important glue piece. And at the end of the year, he was playing some really good basketball. So to me, I see all sides of it. Of course, the naysayers on our message board, oh, just a guy, you know, whatever. It's like, you know, they made a value decision. They said that our one is Bruce Thornton and our two is Roddy Gale. Right. And, and, and they're not going to upset that apple cart. They want those guys to be there for three or four years and you don't, bring somebody in to screw up that chemistry so then Roddy Gale goes off into the transfer portal you don't do that so they're going to win or lose with the guys they've got and I think they've got enough to win you know as we talked about it Dave OSU fans weren't happy just with 20 wins and making the tournament they want to get the 25 30 wins and get deep in the tournament and the jury is out whether this roster can do that but I think this this roster could certainly get them back to where they were uh, Katz came out, Andy Katz came out and said he's got him a number three in the Big Ten, you know, based on the guys they've added and the freshmen coming in. So I was looking at, what are your expectations? You follow this team as close as anybody and have for years. What are your expectations for this 2023-24 season? Yeah, you know, we don't know even yet what the schedule is. I think they're supposed to play Kentucky, I think, in the CBS Classic, and it's supposed to be in Atlanta, but there hasn't been an announcement yet. There's no more Big Ten uh, ACC thing. I don't think they're oh, going to be right. in the Gavit games because uh, there's only you know X number of Big East teams. Not everybody plays in that. So um, without knowing the schedule, how difficult they're going to make it. Uh, again, Just look at the Big Ten young team with Big uh, Ten. what. Do you agree with Andy Katz? You think they can be third in the Big Ten? Because that's a you're automatically in the NCAA that, tournament. If you're that seems awfully Ten. ambitious to me. I, I think top say. top four, top five, possibly. I mean, you'd have to have a special year to do that. You'd have to really go on the road and beat some people. And you know, the Big Ten has added some players. Uh, Michigan's added uh, some 
some players. Uh, Indiana added the Ware kid from Oregon. Uh, so, you know, Hunter Dickinson, it seems, is going to go from Michigan to Maryland. So they're going to be right there. So I don't know. It, it, I, it's so early to say. I mean, I, I think the potential is there to get between 20 and 25 wins is what I would think. But a lot of that's dependent on who you play. And we don't – right now we have no idea. He could set up the schedule any way he wants. And it could be with 10 home games against, you know, Alcorn State. I mean, you just don't know. So um, I think there will be a, a marquee non-conference home game. They owe the fans that after last year. That was miserable last year to play all the key games on the road and have six bye games at home that nobody nobody wanted to go to. So, yeah, they got to they fix that. But otherwise, yeah, I, I can't imagine they're going to be too ambitious Kentucky's going to be really good. So if that's who they play, that's going to be a tough one. Yeah, I saw the early Vegas lines that has Kentucky as the favorite to win the national championship. I was like, wow. Yeah, um, amazing. I, I, that surprised me. So, uh, so yeah, the home schedule for the Buckeyes was uh, terrible last year, and the team was terrible last year. So yeah. hopefully um, I'll take top four or five in the Big Ten, like you mentioned. And, heck, if Andy Katz is right, we'll love that if they're third in the Big Ten. Great stuff out of Steve Hellwagon. I know you got to get running, my friend. Thank you for joining me. Uh, thanks again to Steve. Thanks to all of you for, t- for tuning in. We appreciate it very much. Hope everyone has a great rest of your day. you imaginary friends are real this is just so exciting this friday get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined showtime ryan reynolds john krasinski kaylee fleming fiona shaw phoebe waller bridge louis gossett jr matt damon emily blunt george clooney maya rudolph bradley cooper sebastian maniscalco john stewart sam rockwell aquafina keegan michael key and steve carell i need to throw up or i need a snack it's one of the two gross if ready pg parental guidance suggested written and directed by john krasinski